Hallelujah. God is good all the time. Good to see everybody at this 10 a.m. service. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, what a joy to be uh, here and to worship the Lord with everybody. And uh, before I get into the word this morning, I want to thank everybody for your prayers and support for our uh, trip to the beautiful nation of the Philippines. If you're not connected with me on social media, make sure you connect on Facebook, Twitter, or uh, Instagram, because I was posting up pictures of our uh, trip to the Philippines, but just want to thank you guys for your prayers and your support. It was a meaningful time. Uh, we have about 300 sister churches over there, and we have about 35,000 members, sister members over there. And uh, I'm pleased to report that God is alive and working in the Philippines. To give you a little background, about, I think about 80 years ago, our larger church family that we're part of, the Free Methodist Church, had missionaries in China. And something happened with the government that they kicked out all the missionaries from China and they landed in the Philippines. And when they went to the Philippines, they went towards the nearest river. How many know there's life at the river? Right? Communities at the river. When you, when you, uh, at least when I drove there, there was, you know, communities all along the river. And so our missionary begin, missionaries begin to uh, share the gospel and do good works there. And eventually we begin to build schools there. And now, some 70 years later, we have about 300 churches to the glory of God. And I was able to sit, I sat with, in the office of a college president who uh, loves the Lord Jesus and is part of the church over there. And we got to minister and strengthen pastors and, and leaders. And it was just a meaningful time. Also, want to thank those who contributed funds to uh, the prison there. We were able to sponsor lunch and like a care package. Uh, we walked into the prison over there. And it was kind of funny because we walked into a room and uh, the prison's guards started pulling out guns. And I thought they're going to give me a gun for a second there. And uh, it was such a blessing because the warden loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you see one of the pictures of the warden up on top of the gate of the prison or the door, it says a scripture. I am the Lord thy God. We welcome you here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, such a powerful time. Keep them in prayer. Got to minister to the, to the prisoners there. Got to minister fresh hope uh, over there. So, we thank God for allowing our church to be part of a global church family, right? Where God is expanding our, our territory, and we're not just impacting the local community of Paramount and Long Beach, but we are impacting the world. Someone shout amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 28. Uh, as you're turning to Luke chapter 19, I want to remind you that 
today at 2.30 is our annual church meeting. It'll be for one hour exactly. Uh, if you're a member of the church, you're, invite, you're invited to come. If you are curious about what's going on, I invite you to come and hang out with us for one hour. Uh, we are also, the members of the church are going to be voting on our new leadership council for this year, uh, which basically is the board of the church. So if you're a member, you're invited to come and participate. But anybody can come and just witness and hear uh, where the church is at. You know, God has been good to us during the pandemic. Uh, this last two years has been described by many people as a great shaking, a great shaking. And the Lord has uh, kept us and preserved us and helped us all, uh, through this uh, pandemic, and we're so grateful for his uh, grace and mercy. Someone shout amen. amen. So in Luke 19, verse 28, I want to complete uh, a study that I brought about two weeks ago, uh, and I want to complete it today, uh, and next week we will start a Christmas series in our study as we push through uh, December. But there's a couple of things I want us to learn today, and I'm going to do start off with a review. I'm going to start off with a review, but let's turn to Luke 19, verses 28. When everybody's there, say amen. It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Someone say Jerusalem. As he approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Now, pause for a second, because as I was studying those instructions from the Lord, uh, I, I made a mental note of the word uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Because, I mean, that was somewhat of some uncomfortable, if, and if I can say, like, weird instructions that God gave him. Like he tells them, go find a donkey, untie the donkey, and when if, if somebody asks you, what are you doing, tell them that the Lord told you to do it. I mean, that sounds a little uncomfortable to do, but I have learned in my walk with God that oftentimes God will ask us to do uncomfortable things. I have learned that one of the signs that God is moving in your life is that you will feel uncomfortable or instructed to do things that are uncomfortable because there are miracles out in that uncomfortable place. God works in the areas where we're uncomfortable with. So I, I wrote that, I mean, I, I made a mental note of that, that God often instructs us to do uncomfortable things. Someone say amen. amen. Look at verse 32. It says, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the coat, its owners asked them, why are you untying the coat? They replied, the Lord needs it. Pause for a second. I wrote down on my notes right here, radical obedience. Radical obedience because they did exactly 
what Jesus instructed them to do. So I wrote down here, radical obedience, and I find it interesting, I just want to remind us that radical obedience positions you for a breakthrough with the Lord God Almighty. Radical obedience positions your life for a miracle. Radical obedience positions your life for a fresh kind of dose of the power of God. If you've been uh, debating or whether or not you should be obeying God, stop it today and obey him. Obey the Lord if you want to experience the Lord. Obey the Lord if you want to experience the Lord. That's what they did. They did exactly what God told them to do. Now let's turn to verse 35 and continue. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the coat, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. What a powerful revelation, right? Don't let the stones worship in your place. That's one of the reasons why we're comfortable at our church with being loud for the Lord. Like, we're very uh, demonstrative, right? Like, we, we want to lift up our hands, and, and some of us don't know how to sing, but we want to raise our voice unto the Lord, right? Because we refuse to allow the stones to worship in our place. He's been way too good to us. God has been way too good to us. I can't carry a tune, but I'm going to lift up my voice. I would make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And, and so I encourage you to join us in, in uh, verse 41, verse 41, and I'm almost done. As he approached Jerusalem, someone say Jerusalem, and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, someone say peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because, get this, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. I like the New Living Translation of verse 44. Just listen to this. It says, because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Now, as I mentioned, I want to uh, complete a study that I brought to the church about two Sundays ago. And I'm going to start off with a review, and then I will extend our study this morning. But I want to remind you that scholars uh, note that this scene that we just read is called the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. This is the Friday before Jesus was going to be crucified, the Friday before Jesus was to be raised from the grave, and Jesus enters into Jerusalem as the long-awaited 
Messiah. He enters into Jerusalem as the long-awaited Christ. And I want to remind you that many scholars describe that this scene that we just read right now is probably the most ironic contrast in human history. I want to remind us that uh, many scholars note the contradiction in the passage of Scripture that we just read. Let me, let me bring it out so that we could see it in our sanctified imagination. Listen, on one side, there's a group of people that are expressing great joy. They are joyfully praising God. But on the other hand, Jesus is expressing great sorrow. He's crying. He's weeping over the city. Here's the contradiction. Here's the contrast. In one scene, you have the group of people throwing up cheers, but simultaneously you have the Messiah dropping tears. Cheers to tears in one scene. Joy, sorrow in one scene. Are you following along? And the Bible says that Jesus wept over the city. That word wept, that word weep in verse 41 means to sob bitterly. It means to sob uncontrollably. He's not just dropping a tear or two. He is shaking. He is crying. He is looking over Jerusalem and he is sobbing uncontrollably. And let me remind you, this is significant because the Bible only describes two place, three places where Jesus cried. He didn't cry too often. There's only three places in the Bible that identified when Jesus cried. You remember the death of Lazarus, his friend? The Bible says he wept. The shortest verse in the entire Bible. You want to gain some spiritual credibility? Memorize that verse. Jesus wept. And then the Bible says that he cried when he would pray to the Father. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. Jesus only cried three places in the Bible. At the death of his friend, uh, when he would pray to the Father, and then here, as he looks over the city of Jerusalem, he begins to weep uncontrollably. And Jesus' weeping is not mere emotionalism. This is not mere emotionalism. No, his tears are a sign that he cares for us. His tears are a sign that he cares for us. It's not emotionalism. Some of us can cry at the drop of a dime. That's not Jesus. When he cried, it meant that his soul was shaken. His heart was shaken. And so we're asking we're asking in our study this morning, we're continuing the question, why Jesus cries? Why Jesus cries? What breaks the heart of God? That's our question this morning. That's what we're going to seek to answer this morning. Why Jesus cries? What breaks the heart of God? Because in reality, my brothers and sisters, we should not be living a life that makes Jesus cry. Would you agree with that? We shouldn't be living a life that makes Jesus cry. We shouldn't be living a lifestyle that breaks the heart of the Father. Not after all he's done for us. 
Not out of the mercy he has given us. Not after the chance, after chance, after chance that he has given us. Some of y'all, he spared your life. Not just one time, but two times and three times. On the contrary, we should be living such a life where God looks over heaven upon us and smiles. We ought to be living in such a lifestyle where God looks over our homes and he smiles. He looks at us uh, over when we're working at our job and he's smiling. He looks at us when we're in school and he smiles. We should not be breaking the heart of God. Would anybody agree with that this morning? So our question this morning is why Jesus cries? Why does Jesus cry? Let me do a little bit of review and then I'll jump into an extension of our study uh, this morning. The first thing that I, that I taught two weeks ago is that Jesus cries when his people don't live up to their name. When they don't live up to their name. And I find it in verse 41. Listen to this. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace someone say peace that's a key word right there because what he's saying is that you should have known peace you should be experiencing peace you should be living up to peace but as i look at you you're not living up to what i have called you by the way let me remind you the name jerusalem means city of peace City of peace, meaning that God intended for Jerusalem to have peace, intended, intended Jerusalem to live in peace, intended Jerusalem to live up and out of the peace that God placed upon them. But they were not living up to their name, and it caused Jesus to cry. He cries uncontrollably. He cries because he looks and he sees Jerusalem, the city of peace, not living up to their name. Now you say, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? Uh, it's 2022, about to go into 2023. What does that have to do with me? Well, let me remind you, the moment you repented from your sins, the moment you called upon that mighty name of Jesus is the moment that God gave you a new name. It's the moment that God gave you a new name. In fact, the mercy of God is so profound, the grace of God is pro pro so profound that he's given you multiple new names. He's given you multiple new names because he knows the world has tried to tag you uh, by your past behavior and he knows that you are not what you used to do. So the moment you are saved, he gives you multiple new names and then he expects you to live up to the new names he's given you out of his grace and mercy someone shout amen so he's given you a new name he's given me a new name and he expects for us to live up to them let me let me remind you of a couple new new names that god has has stamped you with let me let me remind you uh, first of all um, your new name now is righteous 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 uh, in 2nd Corinthians 5 21 let me just remind you it says God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God 
You are no longer a sinner. You are righteous. You are no longer tagged by your past. You are righteous. When God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. Doesn't see what you did. He sees Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He gives that to us at the point of salvation. And then he says, now I want you to live up to what I made you. Are you following along? That's your new name. Not sinner. Not sinful. I've always, I've always questioned. There's, a, there's an old saying of the church, and I, and I know they, they, they mean well, but I've always questioned it. And, and, and they would say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I know they mean well, but I've always questioned that because, um, because my Bible teaches me now that I'm in Christ... I am not a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And somehow or another, the enemy always tries to get us to identify with our past. Always tries to tie us with sin ties to our past. I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. And if you buy into that, you start acting like a sinner. I was a sinner. I am saved by grace, and now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You all better preach that to yourself. If you preach it to yourself long enough, you'll start believing it. If you keep calling yourself a sinner, you're going to act like a sinner. There's a difference between a sinner and a Christian who sins. Big, big difference. We ain't got time to dissect it right now, but there's a big, big difference. You are not a sinner. You may sin. But you're not a sinner. I know it don't make sense, but man, the mercy of God don't make sense either. The grace of God. If you could explain the grace of God, it ain't the grace of God. So you are called righteous. I want to remind you also, you're called overcomer. Your new name is overcomer. In 1 John 5, 4, it says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. You are called overcomer. Overcomer, that is your new name. Welcome, overcomer. Welcome all the overcomers. So you know what that means? You know what that means? That means no more sad stories. No more sad stories. I, I, I'm tired of Christians who claim to be serving the Lord for X amount of years, and all that come out of their mouth is a sad story. If you've been serving the Lord for two, three, four, five years, uh, uh, you, you, all that come out your mouth shouldn't be a sad story. There should be some good news that come out your life. There should be some good news that come out your life. Now, I understand we have hard times. We have bad times. As long as we're in this broken world, we're going to go through rough seasons. But, man, that should not be the theme of our life. Not if we serve uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No, I'm an overcomer. And even if I do have a bad time, I'm not telling everybody. <laughs> I'm not putting all my stuff on social media. I don't want them to look at me and say, man, he's been serving Jesus. I'll come out of his mouth as a bad, as a sad story. No, some of us got to wake up. Talk about some good news. He's an overcomer. I, I want to remind you that the Bible calls you more than conquerors. 
more than conquerors. Romans 8.37 says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. That means no more moping and groping. No more just moping around. We're more than conquerors. And you remember, uh, you remember the picture of a, of a, over a more than conqueror, right? I shared a couple years ago a picture of a more than a conqueror. Think with me about a prize fighter, someone who fights in the ring for money. And think with me that he has this big old championship fight, so he gets ready for 10 months, he runs miles a day, he does his push-ups and his burpees, and, and he runs up the mountains, and he's getting ready, and the day comes for him to fight, he steps into the ring, he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with his opponent, he gets knocked down, but he gets back up, he gets up again, he goes toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and finally, after all the arduous work in the third round, he knocks out his opponent. They lift up his hand, they call him a conqueror because he knocked out his opponent. And after the fight, he gets out of the ring, he goes to the cash register, and he gets his check for the conqueror, $10,000. He gets his reward, and immediately he goes into his car, and he drives home. He opens up the door to his living room. He sees his wife in the living room sitting down, and immediately he hands the check over to her. She's more than a conqueror. Some of y'all get that later. She's more than a conqueror. Why? Because she didn't do nothing. She didn't do no burpees. She didn't do no push-ups. She didn't even sweat, but she got the money. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. He conquered hell and damnation on the cross. He did the work for us, and he hands us what we call salvation that has a treasure box of blessings. We're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. You ain't got to struggle no more. Jesus struggled for you. Someone shout amen. amen. Secondly, I want to remind us that Jesus cries when his people miss his movement. Um, back to Luke 19. Think with me uh, for a second. Jesus pronounces judgment on them. And then he says, why? In verse 44, he says, because you did not recognize it when God visited you. He said, because you didn't recognize it when God showed up. You didn't recognize it when God had mercy on you. You didn't recognize what God was doing uh, in your life. And, and, and it made Jesus cry. That they did not recognize the move of God despite he did miracles amongst them. They did not recognize it. Despite crowds of people followed him, he, they did not recognize him. Despite his ministry was done in the open, they still missed him. Despite the prophets wrote about the Messiah, and even in Zechariah wrote specifically and verbatim how he was going to be on a donkey and go into Jerusalem, it was written about him verbatim, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders who claimed to know the Scripture still missed the Scripture. They missed God, and it caused him to cry. Man, after all I've done for you, after all the mercy I've shed on your life after all the grace I've given you and you're still saying it was luck you're still saying it was luck that you're alive you're still contributing to uh, uh, the universe and you're still contributing to it was just a good day no you didn't have a good day God had mercy on you 
God had mercy on you. And so, and so we got we to gotta pray because God's people are notorious for missing God. God's people are notorious for missing God. And we got to pray, Lord, uh, uh, give us a sensitive heart. Lord, give us a sensitive heart. Lord, open, open up our eyes that we might see wonders from you. Let, let, us, let us see the fingerprints of your hand upon us. How in the world can God's hand be so big and yet they still miss him? There's got to be dark forces working against us. It's got to be spiritual warfare going on for God to be so big, yet we still miss him. Lord, Lord, open, open up our eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Oh, you know the Lord is moving when we start preaching. Especially when you're at Chapel of Change, because listen, let me tell you, the Lord is moving at Chapel of Change. Like the Lord is moving at Chapel of Change. He has, has had his hand upon us all throughout the pandemic. Many churches, even in the local area, have shut down. Uh, but, the, but Chapel of Change takes a licking and keep on ticking. And, and God is amongst us. And let me tell you something. Uh, let's just talk like family, man. On the day of judgment, y'all ain't going to have no excuse. Because God's going to be like, you were at Chapel of Change and you still couldn't worship me? And you still couldn't bow down and come to the altar? And you still couldn't tithe? And give offer you were at chapel of chain oh lord have mercy open the eyes of my heart lord we got to be praying that song open the eyes of my heart i want to see you i lifted up help me martha <laughs> lastly what i want to share uh today is why Jesus cries is Jesus cries when his people reject him. Jesus cries when his people reject him. So, so envision with me, um, Jesus is looking over the city of Jerusalem. And I want you to envision with me, uh, Jesus comes all the way. He didn't just come from Bethlehem. Jesus came all the way from heaven. He comes all the way from heaven. He wraps himself up in human flesh, making himself vulnerable to this broken world and all the evil spirits in this broken world. He, he shows mercy on the people. He feeds the people. He raised the people from the dead. Uh, he, 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 he shows mercy on this one lady who was guilty of, of sleeping with like five people, but he has mercy on her. Uh, he tells another lady, uh, the group about a lady, if anybody who has the first sins, uh, throw the first stone, and he's empowering people, he's healing people, he's moving in a mighty way, and he looks over Jerusalem, and they still reject him. They reject Jesus. And that rejection, it's so deep to the core. Rejection, you know, the Bible says, who could heal a wounded soul? It's so deep to the core that even the Messiah, even God in the flesh, begins to break down in tears because of the rejection. Even Jesus begins to cry because he feels the rejection. Man, I was thinking about this. 
And I don't know if you're aware, but Jesus experienced rejection on multiple levels. Multiple levels. I don't know if you're aware. I don't know if you've ever considered the depths of Jesus's rejection. The de like even his own family rejected him. Even his own family rejected him. In John chapter 7 verse 5, it says, For not even his brothers were believing in him. Remember we learned a couple weeks ago that James the apostle, Jesus' brother, did not believe Jesus was who he was until after the resurrection? Remember, come on, James. I did miracles amongst you. I healed people. I rose from the dead, and it took the resurrection for you to believe that I am who I am? Can you feel the rejection? Come on. All of a sudden, you want to believe because I raised from the grave. What about raising Lazarus from the grave? What about feeding 5,000 people? You didn't believe then? But now you believe now. Even his family rejected him. Even Jesus' community he grew up with, his neighborhood, his home rejected him. In John chapter 1, verse 1, just listen to this. It says he came to his own people and even they rejected him. His neighborhood he grew up with as a little kid, his friends rejected him. In fact, he couldn't do much miracles in Nazareth because they didn't believe who he was. He got rejected by his family. He got rejected by his neighborhood. He even got rejected by his beloved disciples, the ones whom he loved. Do you remember Judas betrays Jesus? That betrayal is a form of rejection. That Jesus loved this man for three years, walked with this man, slept beside this man, and he still rejects him, kisses him on the tree, and betrays him. That's rejection right there. Even his beloved disciples. In fact, Isaiah the prophet describes, his, summarizes his whole life. Look at in Isaiah 53, just puts a big old rubber stamp on Jesus' life. It says he was despised and rejected by mankind. A big old stamp upon Jesus' life. Reject. Summarized his whole life with that word, rejected. I'll take it even deeper. Jesus even experienced rejection by the Father in heaven. Remember when he was on the cross and he became sin because of you and I? What does he cry out? He cries out, my Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's rejection right there for you and I. Deep, deep. He experienced rejection on multiple layers. His family, his community, his beloved disciples, his whole life was stamped by rejection. Even the Father had to reject him because of the sin of you and I. Very, very deep. And I was thinking about this, and um, I, I, I've come to the conclusion, if there was, ever, if there was any good that came out of Jesus's rejection. If there was any good that came out of Jesus's rejection, it was that he was rejected that we might be accepted. If there's any good out of all that Jesus was rejected by, it was that the good news is Jesus was rejected so that we can be accepted. That's the good news of Jesus's rejection. 
Now, now, I want to, I want to, I want to dig into this a little bit. I want to allow me to dig into this for a little bit because um, there, there are many, 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 many people that have been plagued with the spirit of rejection. Many people. Since they're little kids, they don't even realize it because it's been hurting in their soul, so they can't describe it. But since they're little kids, many people, the significant source of bondage for many people in this world is the spirit of rejection. Maybe you've been rejected by a parent, or maybe you've been rejected by a spouse, maybe you've been rejected by a friend or even a child. And what happens is we've entertained the emotions of rejection and thus opened up the door for a spirit of rejection to leech onto us, to, to, to leech onto us and suck the life out of us. Many people, and I would dare say in a church as large as us, there's, there's many people that need to be delivered from a spirit of rejection. I want to I, I I talk about this for a little bit because rejection produces a various reactions. Re rejection produces various reactions. And sometimes you don't even know you're dealing with a spirit of rejection because it hits you in the soul. It's a soul thing. And sometimes you don't know how to describe why you're behaving the way you're behaving. You don't understand. But because it's a, it's, it's a wound in the soul. And there's various reactions to the spirit of rejection. Some people react to the spirit of rejection uh, with overwhelming uh, self-pity. They're overwhelmed with self-pity. They're, uh, they're always feeling sorry for themselves. They're always feeling sorry for themselves. They always have a sad story to tell. They're always climbing up the rough side of the mountain. No one understands me. Self-pity oftentimes is an expression of a spirit of rejection. There's no way you can be a Christian for X amount of years and still have a sad story. There's something wrong. Something wrong. Other people react to rejection um, by developing a hardness of personality. They develop a callous personality. And, and, and their, their, their mentality is, if, if people don't love me, uh, so what? I can do without them. They develop a callous a personality and a hardness to them. If, if people don't love me, so what? I can do without them. And they build a wall around themselves and they don't let people in. How in the world can you be a Christian and you still be mad and you still be callous and you still be, we ought to be being the nicest people in the world. We ought to be the nicest people in the world as much as God has been merciful on you. So they develop a hardness about them. And you see this a lot in prisoners. You see this a lot in prison. A lot of prisoners are, are victims to the spirit of rejection. And the reason why they build up this hard personality and the reason why they build up this callous personality because they're building up walls around them. They don't want to let people in because they don't want to be hurt no more. And it's a cold thing when an individual has never been to prison but still develops a hardness about themselves. It's a cold spiritual uh, uh, warfare going on when you ain't never been to prison and you still mad at the world. 
Another uh, reaction to spirit of rejection is what we call indifference. That, that means you just don't care anymore. You're like, you, just, you, you, you sleep with anybody. Uh, you, you, you party all the time. Uh, it, it manifests in a spirit of promiscuity because you think if I can just get him, I'll be all right. If I could just get her, I will be all right. And you spend your life trying to fill a void that only God can fill in your heart. It's a spirit of rejection. And sometimes you don't know what it is because it's a wound in the soul that only God can heal. And I'm here today to let somebody know somebody needs to be delivered from the spirit of rejection. I remember clear as day. I remember clear as day when the spirit of rejection tried to latch onto me like a leech. I remember on several occasions I was in prison. I was laying down on my bunk. That's a bed. I was by myself. And all of a sudden the lies begin to whisper in my ear. No one cares for you. No one cares for you. No one likes you. Your brothers are not doing nothing for you. Your sisters are not doing nothing for you. You're alive, but no one cares for you. I remember clear as day when the spirit of rejection tried to latch on to me like a leech. Trying to suck the life and power and strength out of me so I could live a life of self pity so I can build up walls around myself so I can be indifferent and say I don't care anymore and I learned thank God for people that discipled me thank God for disciplers because because I learned I learned that the remedy for rejection is a revelation of God's acceptance upon our life I learned that the remedy for rejection is a revelation of God's acceptance upon our life. And I say revelation because you can't get this uh, uh, just in your mind. It got to go deep down into your soul. I say revelation because mankind can't teach you this. It got to be a revelation of the Holy Ghost that turns a light up on side of your spirit. It got to be a revelation of God's acceptance of you. That almighty God. God has accepted you. That the king of kings has accepted you. That the lamb of lambs have accepted you. And it got to be a revelation by the Holy Ghost. And that's what I had to learn. And, and I, I, had to, I had to learn that. I had to get up on my bed, off of my bed. And I had to preach to myself. And I said, I'm accepted by God. I'm accepted by Jesus. I'm part of the powerful, most powerful family in the universe, the family of God. And I had to preach that until my soul got it. Forget about my mind because your mind will play tricks on you. I had to preach it until I got it down in my soul. Some of you might have to listen to this message three or four or five times to get it deep down in your soul that Jesus was rejected so that we can be accepted. Jesus was rejected so that we can be accepted. I want to remind you that at the cross was the great exchange. At the cross was the great exchange that Jesus took our punishment so that we can be forgiven. There's an exchange at the cross that Jesus took our, our death so that we can take his life. Now, we, now the life we live, we live by the faith in the son of the Lord Jesus Christ. How are we able to live that life? It's because Jesus took our death. 
There's a great exchange at the cross that Jesus took our sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He takes our sin, we take our righteousness. I know it's not a fair deal, but that's the mercy of God. There's an exchange. Jesus took our sickness that we could take his healing at the cross. This is called the atonement of Jesus Christ. This is the great exchange at the cross. That, 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 and it don't end there because then Jesus takes our rejection so that we could ex- receive his acceptance. And Jesus, Jesus bears our rejection so that we could walk in his acceptance. That's why he says we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so I want to speak to somebody's soul today. I don't come to speak to your mind today. I come to speak to your soul because someone's been bearing a burden since they were a little kid and they don't realize why they're acting out the way they're acting out. So I come to speak to somebody's soul and I want to remind you what the word of the Lord says. So just listen to this. Just listen to this because I'm going to be a spiritual doctor and I'm going to try to stitch somebody up. And what I'm doing is the, the way I envision this is when I, when I, when we go camping and I don't go camping a lot, but I always want to get the, the the, the, the repellent for mosquitoes, and you spray it on yourself, and the mosquitoes can't latch onto you. So I'm going to spray you with some spiritual repellent right now. So listen, I just want to remind you of the word of God. Isaiah 49 verse 15, listen to this. It says, can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the son of her womb, even if she could forget I will not forget you, declares the Lord. Listen to this in Psalms 27, verse 10. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. God is telling us today, stop comparing them to your mama. Stop comparing them to your daddy. Even though they may have dropped the ball, he's picking it back up. He's picking it back up. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. I want to remind you of Ephesians 1, 6. Listen to this. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us, here's the word, accepted in the beloved. It's a powerful promise. I'm spraying you down with spirit of rejection repellent here. The reason why we praise him is because his grace makes us accepted in the beloved. What is the beloved? The beloved is the cherished and beloved family of God. That we're part of the most powerful family in the universe. That's why we praise him. That's why we worship him. That's why we come here on Sundays and Thursdays at Discipleship Group. Because his grace has accepted us. His grace has accepted us. Come on, man. This is powerful revelation. You got to get it in your soul. I like Colossians 1.13. Colossians 1.13 says he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. That's, that's the negative side of salvation, right? That's the negative side of salvation. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. But there is a positive side to salvation. Here it is. And brought us into. I love that phrase right there. Brought us 
into the kingdom of the son he loves. Wow. Rescued us, brought us into the kingdom of God. This is why we preach and teach sonship. That you are a son or a daughter of God. You're not going into 2023 as an orphan. You're not going into 2023 as a spiritual orphan. You are going as a son or a daughter of God. And that when you get that revelation, it changes everything about you. And now no longer will I have my head down. No longer will I be moping around. No longer will I just be tossed to and fro. No, I am no longer an orphan. I'm accepted. I'm beloved. I got favor. I got power. I'm a son, a daughter of the most high God. Listen, you're not just tolerated in the kingdom of God. You are celebrated in the kingdom of God. You are not tolerated. You are celebrated. In fact, I, I want us to reinstate every time we see a new person, we're going to ring a bell or something like that. We used to do that a long time ago. Every time we see them, we used to stop and go, woo, 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 praise the Lord. Why? Because you ain't just tolerated. You celebrated in the kingdom of God. And that changes your whole perspective. And I don't care if the world acknowledges it or don't acknowledge it. Every time I step in the room, I hear the bells of God going up. This is my son. This is my daughter. Hear what he got to say. Today we come to rebuke the spirit of rejection. Today we come to accept positions in the kingdom of God brother step up sister step up be what God has called you to be let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here wrestling with the spirit of rejection I want to lead you in an exercise. This is not for everybody, but this is just for a couple people who may be wrestling with the spirit of rejection. I want to lead you in an exercise that's going to help you experience greater levels of freedom. There's levels to freedom in the kingdom of God. There's levels. You could be serving the Lord for 20 years. There's still a next level to get to. If there's someone in here who's wrestling with the spirit of rejection and you want to experience more freedom, I want to lead you in a spiritual exercise. But before we do this, there's two things you got to do. You got to do it on your own. Number one, you got to forgive the person who rejected you. You got to forgive them. You're not forgiving him for him or her. You're forgiving them for you. You cannot go into the future holding into the past. So you're going to have to forgive that person. And number two, you're going to have to accept who you are in Christ. You're going to have to accept yourself. 
You're going to have to humble yourself to the promises of God over your life, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like. Two things you got to do, prerequisites. You got to forgive that person who rejected you. You got to accept the promises of God for your life, who God called you to be. If you want to if you want to exercise this spiritual exercise with me, I want you to do those two first things just by yourself with you and the Lord. Just wherever you're at, just in your own way, forgive that person. And I would name the name. I would name the name. I'd be as specific as possible. I, I, the, the, the guy who killed my brother is Donald. His name is Donald. And I would, I would name, I forgive you, Donald. I forgive you, Donald, in Jesus' name. I forgive you, Donald, in Jesus' name. The guy who shot me when I was 14 years old, his name is Albert. I forgive you, Albert, in Jesus' name. I forgive you, Albert. I'll be specific. And then I'll accept who I am in Christ Jesus. Lord, I humble myself to your promises. If you want to take this exercise with me, just do those first things on your own right now, wherever you're at, just between you and God. If you want to go further with me in the spiritual exercise, if you've been wrestling with the spirit of rejection, I want to lead you in, in a couple declarations. A couple declarations. If you want to join me, by faith, I want you to just stand up on your seat, right from your seat. Stand up right now. And by standing up uh, physically, you're making a spiritual statement. You're saying, I'm standing up against the spirit of rejection. I'm standing up. I'm getting up. I'm standing up. Just stand to your feet if you want to uh, go further with this exercise with me. I'm going to lead you in an exercise. I want you to repeat these words with me. But then I'm going to pray for you afterwards. Before I lead you in this exercise, look at me for a second. I want to give you some instructions. We're going to talk like family for a moment. Some of us have been sleeping with the spirit of rejection for years. And a spirit is smart. It knows our weaknesses. It knows our patterns. And the reason why I bring this out is because even though we go through this exercise right now, it doesn't mean that, you're, that, that, that the spirit of rejection is never going to try to tempt you again. That does not what, that's not what I mean by doing this. What we're doing is we're rejecting the spirit of, of, of rejection. And you may have to do this exercise tomorrow morning. You may have to do it at tonight. You may have to do it at lunchtime tomorrow. This is your spiritual repellent for the spirit of rejection. And if you do it long enough, eventually your heart is going to believe and if you do it long enough, eventually you're going to live up to it and your spirit is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So this is not a one-time exercise. Depending upon how deep that spirit of rejection has hurt you, you're going to have to declare this for many days. That's all right. I'm still declaring it today. There's levels to freedom in the kingdom of God. You don't ever stop going further in the kingdom of God. That's why we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. So I want you to envision with me as we declare this, 
We're spraying that spiritual repellent over our life. So say this with me from your heart. In Jesus' name, I am accepted by God. In Jesus' name, I am loved by God. In Jesus' name, I am favored by God. In Jesus' name, I am spoiled by God. We're going to do it again. From your heart, by faith. Say this with me. In Jesus' name, I am accepted by God. In Jesus' name, I am loved by God. In Jesus' name, I am favored by God. In Jesus' name, I am spoiled by God. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of rejection. We reject the spirit of rejection in the name of Jesus. The spirit of rejection has no more room in our hearts. The spirit of rejection has no more room in our minds. In the name of Jesus, we reject the spirit of rejection. Say this declaration with me by faith from your heart. Say it with me. In Jesus' name. I'm accepted by God. In Jesus' name, I am loved by God. In Jesus' name, I am favored by God. In Jesus' name, I am spoiled by God. Hallelujah. I sense a little bit of breakthrough, a little bit of breakthrough. A little bit of breakthrough. You can't. A little bit of breakthrough. I'm starting to smile already. I'm starting to smile already. We're going we're gonna to do it one more time, and I'm going to pray over you. One more time, and we're going to pray over you. Say it from your heart by faith. We declare this. We declare this. We declare this over our life. In Jesus' name, I'm accepted by God. In Jesus' name, I am loved by God. In Jesus' name, I am favored by God. In Jesus' name, I am spoiled by God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke the spirit of rejection right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we declare that your people are loved by you, accepted by you in the name of Jesus, Lord God. And we recognize that the blood of Jesus has ripped off the label of rejection over our lives. It has ripped over the, the, off the label of rejection over our lives. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, you have stamped us, Father God with accepted we are stamped by accepted we are stamped with accepted in the name of Jesus father God and we are committed to walk in this favor we're committed to walk in the celebration we're committed to walk in this love we walk in it father God for you 
you are the lifter of our heads you are the lifter of our heads in Jesus mighty name we pray and everyone says amen let's give the Lord a hand praise you may be seated God is good all the time did you learn something today anybody learn something let's give the Lord a hand praise I want to invite Pastor Raymond up to share with our tithes and offerings. Give it up for Pastor Raymond. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. How many of you guys feel a little bit more freer today? I feel like I went to the spiritual chiropractor. No more rejection in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah for the word. Thank you, Pastor Brian, for that word. At this time, we're going to transition to our tithes and offerings. And I have a scripture today before we enter into that portion of our service. It is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctant reluctantly or out of compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver as the ushers come forward i got some announcements we have uh, ways to give which is on our screen four ways to give we give online text the number to the screen also through mail or in person right now as we're about to facilitate that as well if you guys want to give by a debit card we have someone in the back to facilitate that for you also we have uh scan to give this new technology where you open up your cameras you're able to point your camera the link comes up you press and we also make it easy that way to give unto the lord we all uh leadership summit this uh december 2nd friday 7 to 9 uh, p.m. on Friday, and also the second portion of that will be December 3rd on Saturday at 8.30 to 12 o'clock. So this is for people that are leading ministries, people that are um, also uh, leading a small group or, or working. You know, if you want to come out and explore Friday night or Saturday is a day to come out and explore if you're, if you're interested in any type of leadership uh, position or just taking that next step into the, the being useful for God. Amen. So... Uh, also, we have our Marriage Ignite Christmas dinner. Is there any married couples in the house? <laughs> Hallelujah. So Carson Campus is hosting that, uh, that dinner. It'll, it'll be at 7 p.m., Marriage Ignite Christmas dinner. Also, we have a kids' presentation um, this uh, December 8th. It'll be December 8th, Sunday, where our kids are going to be coming out and performing and, and, you know, doing, you know, a performance. So let's come out and encourage our kids. Thank God for the kids. Amen. We also have Angel Tree, where we're um, partnering with Erica Perales in that organization where we're able to buy a gift for somebody that is in prison um, uh, for their kids that are outside of prison. So there's information on the back table. If you still want to be a part of that, it, um, we really appreciate that as well. And lastly, um, December 17th and 18th will be our opportunity to give to our Christ birthday offering, where um, we're able just to give an extra above our tithes and offerings to the Lord as a birthday gift. I have to remind my kids often that it is not your birthday, it is Jesus' birthday. Amen. Amen. So let's pray for the offerings, uh, offering and we'll release the ushers. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the ability to give, God. We thank you, Lord, that, that we give will, um, willingly, Lord, for your goodness. 
we thank you, God, that, that first you gave to us, Lord, so we know that everything comes to you, Lord, so we want to show our appreciation, our gratitude, Lord. We don't want to take you for granted, but we want to give to your kingdom, Lord, so that people may experience you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. Rushers, you are released. the blessing of the Lord hallelujah in the name of the father who loved us so much that he gave us only begotten son to come and die for us and in the name of the son who by obedience uh, went to the cross and died and shed his blood so that he could cleanse us of all our sins so that we could be presented before the father and in the name of the Holy Spirit who reminds us to take authority over rejection authority over anything that the enemy is trying to tell us may we go with the covering and the protection of the lord in the name of jesus and all god's people said amen god bless you saints we have our pastors up here if you need any additional prayer we encourage you to come down for some specific prayer god bless you saints